Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop Interactive and host of Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is Damon Pistolka of ExitYourWay.com. And we're going to talk about something that probably is either on your radar or soon to be on your radar, which is just the any business owner's issue, which is what do I need to know to get ready to think about maybe selling my business? Or maybe I'm thinking about selling my business. What do I need to get ready? So we're going to go really into some some uh, deep waters here, some really great advice from Damon on what you need to think about as you get ready. It's not a how to sell your business, but it's key principles of how to be how to be ready and know you're ready and how buyers are going to look at your business when that time comes. Critical learnings to be had as we start our episode with Damon right now. Well, welcome, Damon, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks, Jose, for having me today. Yeah, and Damon, just for our listeners uh, to give some context, uh, you know, what do you do and who do you do it for? Uh, well, what I do, Jose, is I, I help business owners grow, prepare their businesses for sale, and sell their businesses when it's time. I guess our company, Exit Your Way, does. Um, Andrew Cross and myself founded the company about seven years ago. So, Okay, so the real focus is, again, on, on helping owners get the value of their business right out of Mm -hmm. the business and so on. So, yeah. So there's so much wrapped around that, especially in the small to mid market, right? Where owners, I think, you know, and, and I, that's the the market that I deal with primarily on, on growth strategies for those who are running their business for, for growth. Uh, There's a lot of, let's just say uh, not fully baked understanding (laughs) of Mm -hmm. what the exit process is. So when you ask about it, it's either a forbidden topic. We can't talk about that because I don't want my employees to think I'm about to get out or anything like that. That kind of talk. I don't want my competitors to get wind of it, one. Or two, when I'm ready, I'll be able to do it because it's a good Mm -hmm. business. Like you just like a light switch. Like we could just list a used car on on Craigslist or something. So tell us a little bit about what's actually what the selling process decision really is in terms of a timeline like what should people really be thinking about if you they're listening right now say yeah i want to exit at some point is that something they should wait till they're ready ready to their retirement party or something before then no they should not wait until their retirement party because first of all and we'll back up a little bit you've got a business right it can generate wealth you don't have to work until you're 60 years old you can work until you're 45 or 50. In fact, a lot of our clients are in their late 40s, early 50s. And what we do is we go, listen, Jose, you you want to live this lifestyle for the rest of your life starting today. It's going to take you X million dollars to do that. If we can generate it with your business today and get you out for that money, why not? We have to quit. The business owners got to quit thinking about a job. We're still stuck in this W2 mentality of we, we started a business to produce an income for ourselves. No, start that business. Think about that business to generate wealth, first of all, mm. and know how much wealth you need to do what you want to do for the rest of your life today. And it could be work for a lot longer, but if you're working and you got plenty of money on the side and you're you're working for fun, it's a lot different game than it is if you're, if you're still got the risk in your business. So starting there. Um, but when you look at the overall success of selling a business about... of the businesses that go on the market don't sell. 
80% don't sell. Don't sell. And these are 80% of people who want to sell. Want to sell. They don't sell. Okay. The biggest reason that businesses don't sell is because buyers and sellers can't get it, can't agree on price and terms. That's the very first and Google this stuff. I mean, Google this stuff. Um, and it's, and it, it is a higher percentage as the businesses get larger. Um, but you will not, as you get larger, you may get offers, but they're going to be significantly discounted to where the value really is. And that's the only difference as you get, if I got a $50 million in revenue business and I'm making X million dollars with that every year, I, I maybe should be getting 30, 40, $50 million for that. But if I'm not running well, I might get 15 as an offer. I might get 20 as an offer, 10 as an offer, you know, so you may get discounted at the bigger ones, but if you're a sub $5 million business, you're probably just, you're better off to orderly liquidate and sell things when you're ready to go. If you're, it's if not, you're not, it's not ready. worth trying to find. No, it's not worth it. Why? why and you're going to find a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, I'll list your business for sale. Like someone lists your broken down house for sale, but in, in, a, in it's just not going to sell. You're going to put yourself through a lot of headache. So, um, you know, back to the, back to the question though, it's, it's a, it's a process that people uh, don't know about. Uh, it's, it's unfamiliar. We often don't do it very many times. A lot of times once in a business owner's life, mm -hmm. uh, if they get there to do that. And uh, very few do it successfully. So you, you mentioned about one of the, the, the biggest issues, like you say, you can even Google it, price and terms, right? So, yeah. so yeah. let's just, uh, it, because that's something that, that I find is interesting when people just talk about multiples of EBITDA and so mm -hmm. on and say, well, yeah, but terms really matter. Like if you only get like 20% of the, of the price at the closing table and you're earning out the other 80%, that's not designed yeah. to pay you that other 80%. It's designed for you never to see the dime of that in many yeah. cases. So, so talk about term structure, like what, what can an owner actually negotiate? And does it matter, like, is the buyer another owner like me looking to expand or versus, let's say, a PE firm or a very sophisticated buyer? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, if you ever get a valuation, professional valuation for your business, I'm not talking online where you put a number in and it tells you a value, but I'm talking about professional valuation. In that valuation, in the, in the, the details that we never read, it says it is this is the value of your business between a willing seller and a willing buyer. Remember that willing seller and willing buyer. Okay. So my business is worth $10 million, but I have to find a willing buyer for my business to be worth $10 million because right. financially it's worth $10 million. Structurally it's worth $10 million. So that's, I just want to make sure first, because people talk about value. And they do that. And then the, the biggest misconception in value is just because someone down the street sold for a certain amount of multiple doesn't mean your business is kind of the same is. Uh, and especially if, if uh, they sold to a public company, because public companies or large, large companies that buy small companies have much different value structure than a, than a smaller company. But the price and terms are key. And you can't, if you as a seller of a business want 100% cash going out the door when you close the sale of your business, you might as well stop. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay. Not gonna, the, the chances are very, very low. Okay. Uh, and very, very low. And, and tell us and, a little bit about why that is. Why, 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 won't, why wouldn't a buyer just say, hey, why do I need to, to wait for my money? Well, first of all, it's risk. 
uh, and professional buyers, investment grade buyers at PE firms and, and search funds and other people like that, they, they use it to mitigate risk and they use it to help fund the sale, the purchase of the business, right? Because they're, they're leveraging money. They're going to go to a, uh, a PE firm is going to come to you and they're going to say, your business is worth $20 million. And depending on how good your, how good your business, how much they like it, they're going to say, we have to, and, and they know their bank will fund X percent of a purchase and they've got to put in X percent as equity and they've got to put in some working capital. And then they are hoping that the owner will retain an interest going forward, uh, get a seller note, which is like the, you're the loan for a portion of the business going forward or something like that, or an earn out, uh, which is, you know, we won't talk about those because it's really where you don't want to go, but that that's how they finance the purchase of a business. So if a business is $10 million in the bank, we know the bank will, will loan 60%. They're going to loan 6 million. Uh, we have to come up with four more. Right. We want to minimize our investment as an investor in that business. So how much can I negotiate with the seller for them to retain or roll forward as a, as a personal note? And that minimizes my equity that I have to put into the business because they're trying to work. They're trying to maximize the effectiveness of that chunk of equity that they put in. That's why it happens. That's why it happens in a, in a sub $5 million deal that somebody buys using SBA funds. There's an amount that it's usually 10 to 20% and don't quote me exactly. Cause it varies depending on bank and situation stuff that the, the seller is going to be expected to roll forward or as a personal note in the, because the SBA wants to protect that buyer and wants that seller to show that in good faith, I'm doing this because I think it's a good business. Uh, that's their way of doing that with them. But <clears throat> your flexibility on terms is something that will allow you to garner a higher price. Just like if I walk in and buy a car with cash, right. I should get a better price. Same thing with a business. I walk up by property and I've got, you know, case full of case full of hundreds, I can get a better deal than if I and if I finance it over 30 years. That's the thing. Same thing with a business. You got to think about it that way. You want to maximize the sale of your business, be a little more flexible on your terms, but know your limits. You know, you don't your situation where you if it's $10 million and you got $2 million down and $8 million over the years, boy, you better have a buyer that you really trust. And I, I don't even know that I'd trust my family to do that. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things because you are likely going to have to repossess that business over the, throughout those 10 years. Are you ready to do it? If you're ready to do it, that's fine. Because there's people I know that have done that two or three times. And it's just like, hey, it's okay. I'll, I'll repossess it and rebuild it and go back in again. Um but you, you're, it's what's interesting about that. So the skin, you know, the the uh, the bank wants to see if it's like SBA, like you say, that the original owner, the seller, has some skin of the game, so that yep. they, what like their reps and warranties, everything is actually true. Like everything yep. they said was true is true. And since I have to get, uh, I'm taking so I'm I'm maintaining a risk position in the business if I'm the seller. I have to be honest about things. Yep. Greater likelihood, right? That's what they that's what they want. Right. Exactly. And then you want if you're the seller, you want the buyer to put some of their skin in the game. Yep. To make sure that they're actually going to work the business because I'm expecting to get paid for my my skin in the yep. game. I have to get paid back. 
So I have to make sure that, and that repossessing cycle, like I said, maybe it works for some people in certain industries, but by and large, most people want you to don't want to do it. You don't want to do that. You don't that want to do seems, it. That just sounds ugly. It so, is. Wow. So, so let's, let's look at, uh, you know, valuation, right? It goes all over the place and, you know, you hear the country club valuation, my, this got my friend at the club who has a business like mine. Yeah. Two years ago, got six times EBITDA. Supposedly, I didn't see the books. I didn't. I didn't audit anything. But that's what he told me, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe that was an exaggeration. Who knows what his terms were, right? But that's what I think I should get. So that's what my business is worth. So how how do you enhance value to a buyer? Like, what can you do if I'm thinking of exiting in two years' time? What can I do in these in these next two years? You know, client comes to you and says, "I think I want to exit in the next two years. That's my plan." What are things that they can do that increase? Is it just grow the business as big as possible, or is there a quality or type of growth they should be looking at if they're thinking about exiting? Yeah, I'm gonna write a note here because there's a couple things in that. Um, first of all, there is a quality of growth. And quality of growth means that I'm not going to just have it. They're, they're going to look at three risks when they, when they look at the quality of your business. They're going to look at how much the business is dependent on the owner. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, how many key employees do you have that if they fell over dead today or left would kill the business? And then they're going to look at customers and suppliers. So when you look at growth, you need to make sure that the growth is coming from people in the organization that can do the sales, execute the sales that are already there, not, not you as the owner. Um, you can help get it going, but those people have to be in there doing that, first of all. Then you have to have uh, low customer concentration because if you've got 90% of your sales with one customer, that is going to freak the heck out of most buyers. And so it's got to be quality growth. And same thing with suppliers. If you've got one supplier in the world that sells your stuff and there's some little company in, in who knows where, man, that's a lot of risk for that buyer coming in. Even though you might've been buying for them or selling to this company for 20 years, that new buyer, that's a new relationship for them. They don't know. And uh, those, so your growth has to be quality growth. Uh, the second thing is, you have to have demonstrated growth. Now, you and I can sit and talk about the potential of our businesses all day long. Mm-hmm. Buyer isn't going to pay anything for that. I mean, nice, nice hockey stick charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say, well, if we went into this market, we, you know, I've got this new patent that's going to take over the world. Right. Well, if you don't have some sales showing that it's doing it and you're, you're on a way and you've got a growth path that you're proving out, they, they hear it, but that's not going to do anything other than maybe in, you know, get them a little more in, in interested because the performance of your business today and the track that you're on and improving that track for a while is what they're going to pay for. When we work with clients, it's, it's typically we want to get them on a 30, 40% growth path if we can. And, and say we think we can do that for two years. We want to sell that company shortly right near the end of the first year or in the beginning of the second year and leave a lot of that growth for the new buyer. Because what happens then is it's a much different experience for the buyer. Now, because the buy cycle for a business is they're going to take, they're going to talk. It might take you a month to talk to them and get an offer. It might take them 60 
days-ish to do diligence, some legal work. It might be 75, 90 days. So you got three or four months here while they're talking about the business. So they looked at the initial information. They'd made an offer and they've seen some more information and diligence they've seen in more information. So they've got a few months. And if your growth is going chick, 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 your year over year, um, 12 months trailing EBITDA is going up in each of those months, they see that value going up. It creates anxiety in the fact that they might be missing out on an opportunity to buy into this. Gotcha. And it is really, really effective at helping to keep that buyer engaged in there. That growth really does that. So um, that that makes a huge difference in that is, is the growth, the timeline, when you choose to sell, it, it's all relative to it. And you want to get out so that buyer can see themselves and, and, and your business is prepared for you to walk away and that growth to continue for them because they're looking to increase value. That's the only way they they help to reduce the risk on their investment. Right. So the risk mitigation. Well, first of all, risk is the big word in terms of valuation. It sounds yeah. like a big yeah. part of it. It's like, what am I buying? But also, what's the downside potential of me losing my investment? So one of them you mentioned is, is is it turns out, does it turn out that all the business development, all the account relationships are tied up in the owner's Rolodex, so to speak? That's yeah. a problem because then. I'm not planning to keep the owner forever. So he may, may do a one year or whatever, you know, just to make sure he, we know where the men's room key is, but you really don't want him in the business because that's why we're buying a business. Mm -hmm. The other thing is other key employees, same basic thing. My exposed, only one person knows how to use the widget machine. And yeah. uh, that's a problem. And then customer concentration. So this is an interesting thing. As we talk here in 2022, coming kind of on the other side of what we hope is the other side of the pandemic and this pent up demand in a lot of industrial categories. And we've been seeing businesses growing and very proud of the fact that in the last year, 18 months, they're booming 20, 30, 40 mm -hmm. percent growth. And I always ask the question, not to be snarky, but was was there anything you did to make that growth happen or is this a rising tide raises all boats? So, you know, and in many cases, it's, it's their biggest single account is catching up on orders. So all of a sudden you have this boom on top line. And, you know, my, my recommendation is always like if they're giving you checks, cash them, you know, be happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be happy oh, yeah. with cashing oh, checks. Yeah. But from a value point of view, all growth is not the same as all growth is not the same. And so to somebody right now saying, I'm growing, what would you? What would you caution them in terms of looking at their growth uh, right now, especially when if they're picking up all the, you know, they're thinking maybe this is, you know, I don't have to think about strategy. I don't have to think about marketing because after all, I'm growing, through, I must be a genius. Like all the used car dealers think they're geniuses now, right? Yeah. But what would you say to them if they're thinking, and I might, this might be the time to exit, you know, what, what quality of growth? I, I'd really like to dig in on that a little bit. Well, buyers aren't stupid. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to, they're going to look at that. They're going to look at customer, my customer, why the growth is where it's at. They're going to cover, you know, 60 to 80% of your revenue. And they're going to know why you're, if you got a 30, 40% increase in, in, in a customer, that's 20% of your business. They're going to know why they're going to say, is this sustained? Is this long-term? And they're going to discount the value of your business back. I mean, cause your business may at the current financial position be worth $10 million, but they might say, you know, we've weighed the risk and it's, yeah, it's, if it is perfect world, it's worth 10 million, but we're going to pay seven. That's what we can pay. They, I mean, they set the price based on that. So, and they will go through it. 
they will go through it. And that's one of the things that the business sellers are, are not used to. It's just the level of detail that you're going to have to have to be willing to share on a customer by customer basis if you want to go through this. So you need to look at it first and really understand it. And because if you can talk like this off the cuff without doing it by customer, you got a way better chance of getting that business sold and, and reducing the concerns of the buyer. Okay. And so, yeah, it is, it's about, we think it's going to bump about this much because, you know, it's a bump of about 15% and we think it's going to level out, but there's new projects that's, you know, so it's not going to go all the way back down. It's going to go about 10 maybe. And, you know, you got to be able to lay that out for them because otherwise they're going to assume it's going up, it's coming back down. <laughs> there's and okay. no way, if you don't have the information, what, you know, it's trust, but verified. Wow. And I guess the, the only, the last thing I'd like to just explore briefly here, uh, Damon, and this is just very helpful. I can't imagine if anybody, you know, who owns a business isn't listening and thinking, wow, these are some good pointers. Uh, just the impact of <clears throat> quality of margins, right? Because I've seen too often in industrial categories, there's, there's a real focus on top line, not a sharper mm -hmm. focus on OPEX. So you end up with top line growing and OPEX is following it. In, on the same trajectory. Yeah. I was saying, you're not making any more money. Uh, you double the size of your company, but you're not really making that much more money uh, unless you're like an Amazon strategy where you have investors that are going to fuel your growth for 20 years till you can then take profits. That's an anomaly. I mean, the, you know, so so how, how do you guide people looking at how they structure margins, pricing, things like that? Well, I think there's there's two things that you need to understand in that always want to try to maximize margins. You always do. I mean, and you want to make sure you're pricing and, and if you can keep your margins going up, uh, that's great. And you, really, it's looking at two things. What's the industry look like overall? Where am I at for margins compared to the industry? It's worth going out and getting some industry statistics on margin for your industry and understanding. Am I at the high end? Am I at the low end of it? If I'm at the low end of the industry for margins, I better be working on it because the buyers have this information is widely available. Buyers, if they're going to pay millions of dollars of business, they're going to pay the thousand dollars for a subscription to a good place to get industry data. I mean, they just will. So use that to your advantage too. Don't cheap out on junk like that. Make sure you understand where you're at in the industry and then go, okay, if I'm at the high end of my industry, I might be able to let my margins go down just a little bit if I can really ramp up my, my top line because overall, my dollar of profitability goes, my dollars of profitability goes up. Gotcha. And I've even seen an investor owned businesses before that I've run where we've decided to, where you can segment your business to where say I've got, I'm selling into a government category and my government category has to be very thin margin for whatever reason. Well, I might be selling into the private sector where I can sell at a much higher margin, same product. Mm -hmm but I have to sell them differently. Segmenting to do that and, and understanding that you're segmenting to do it and being able to articulate that because it does increase your overall dollars. Even if that segment is lower percentage margin, it still is increasing my pool of total profit dollars at the end of the year. So you really need to understand, you know, yes, maximize your margin in every channel, but if I can segment and increase my total pool of dollars at the bottom, that's a because that's ultimately how you're going to get valued as long as you're within a reasonable range of your industry. And, and I also think if I'm a buyer and I see that level of like precision or sophistication, oh. then I believe a lot more about all the numbers at that point, because now I know you're in control of what you're doing. 
you said one thing there that that we haven't touched on yet, but the quality of your information and knowing it well when you go in to sell your business is key. Let's face it, you can run a $50 million business out of a checkbook if you want, right? Yeah. But if you want to sell that business, the better you can articulate the details of the financials and really understand the, the, the metrics of your overall business and can articulate that to someone else so they can understand it easily, uh, the better off you're going to be. You, you, that's a great point to bring up. Wow. Well, well, Damon, we've had a fantastic time, just like a panoramic view of selling. I'm sure it's a much bigger topic than that. But for anyone listening who's saying, well, gee, this, this guy, Damon, really has his finger on the pulse of this, and this is relevant. I like to talk to him. How should people get in touch with you? Well, there's, it's pretty simple. My email is Damon, uh, D-A-M-O-N, at exityourway.com. Or look me up on LinkedIn if you want to, Damon Pistolka, P-I-S-T-U-L-K-A. There's nobody else in the world with my name, so it's easy to find. Uh, or just look at our website, ExitYourWay.com. ExitYourWay.com. Damon yep. Pistolka, thank you so much for being with us on Business Growth on Purpose. Really appreciate you sharing with our listeners uh, your wisdom on such an important topic. Thanks for having me, Jose. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.